Howdy there, folks, and welcome to The Random Men, where two experts in nothing talk about everything. It's nothing new for people to look for a little supernatural edge when they're trying to make those hard decisions. Whether reading the stars, the cups, or the palms of our hands, divination has a foothold in all corners of the world and a very, very old history. So let's take a look at a few key elements of these practices and why they've lasted so long. So get ready, because today, two random men discuss fortune-telling. This podcast is brought to you by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We personally use Podbean to host this show, The Random Men. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app to your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Y'all go check it out. So when I was a young man, I remember going to see, there was like a traveling carnival or something that had come through town, mm-hmm. and uh, which you don't see a whole lot of anymore. Mostly it's fairs, but this was back when they had carnival carnivals. Yeah. And I remember going to see a fortune teller. And uh, I, I was pretty young, and... While she was doing my palm reading and telling me all those things about myself, she ended up hitting on something that I did not tell her initially, and it was about my fear of heights and especially overpasses. Okay, so someone with no no way she could have possibly no known way, about it. Yeah, yeah. never. I just met her, and she tells me that in a past life, whether it was like in the I don't know fifty, sixty, seventy, somewhere in there, um, in one of my past lives, that I had died in a car crash going over an overpass. Oh. And that really hit me and stuck with me forever and got me very... I walked out of there kind of dumbfounded. That makes me wonder when the first, like, overpasses, overpasses were released. Were, yeah. I had thought about that. That's why I was like, I don't want to say 50s because I don't know if there was many overpasses in the 50s. But, yeah, yeah she had explained, well, yes, in a past life, this happened to you. That explains your fear of, of heights and overpasses. Okay. And, man, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And still to this day, I think, like, how did she hit the nail on the head? Yeah, yeah. But we'll touch on this in a little bit, the kind of vagueness of, of, of prophecy and fortune telling. Yeah. Telling someone they're uncomfortable with heights, you're probably going to hit that 90 out of 100 uh, times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, okay, before we delve too in, into this, uh, you know, again, we're not here to be, we're not scientists, we're not professionals or anybody means. And we're <laughs> not going to, you know, try to sit here and disprove whether any kind of, fortune telling is true if any anything that's happened in the past or even even nowadays um yeah, we're not here to that. be smirch your beliefs yeah. in, in any yeah. way and we're just having a discussion about and it not saying whether we do or don't believe just uh we both okay you just told me your experience i'll tell you mine here here in a minute and both of them were very interesting so uh, everybody take this one you know however you want to take it uh i know there's a lot of people out there that they do look into a lot of this stuff and really really do believe that if nothing else that it helps them through their lives um, even if it's not, maybe you're not getting a prophecy or you're getting, you know, looking in the crystal ball or, you know, reading the tarot cards to have something huge life changing, but maybe something that you can look into that's going to give you peace of mind on something. Yeah. I think anything that makes you a better person 
Go for it. Go for it. As yeah, long as it's not hurting and, anybody and, else, yep. And harming means. none, do as you will. Exactly. If you just read your zodiac signs at the beginning of the week mm-hmm. for a kick, mm-hmm. or you, you go very deep into it and practice astrology and crystals and I look at everything my, of that nature. I look at my zodiac sign almost weekly, and I definitely take it into thought. I might not be like, oh, that's, you know... Concrete. This is how I'm going to change myself. Yeah, but I'll definitely, you know, read into it and go, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. Maybe I should at least keep it in the back of my well, mind type thing. I'm a you Scorpio, know? so we're notoriously known for wanting to throw that out anytime yeah. anybody's talking yep. about astrology. By the way, I'm a Scorpio. Yeah. Yeah. And anybody that it's is pompous. big into into it will immediately meet you and be like, oh, yeah, you're, you're a Scorpio. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they do that, oh, yeah, thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm a Pisces, and people do that to me a lot of times. They're like, oh, yeah, we totally see your Pisces. I'm like, yep, I pretty much fit the bill perfect, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, hey, that being said, you know, I, I read everything about, like, the Pisces stuff, and, yeah, I'm like, yep, that's that's spot on for how I am. So, hey, can't be too crazy, right? I mean, uh, there's got to be something, some truth to it. Well, remember, there was a book... We used to mess around with and read it, you know, whenever we'd be having parties and stuff and break out. It was like it was Linda Goodman's Sun Signs. Mm-hmm. Remember that? And have mm-hmm. a lot of fun with everybody just going around the circle, reading off somebody else's personality traits and everybody yep. going, yep, yep, that's totally you. Yep. So, you know, we mostly had fun with it. Yeah. But it's got a very old history. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think we should start off by asking the questions, what draws people to things like prophecy and fortune telling? I, okay. Well, what's um, the human draw? What's what's in our nature? I'll start off with just saying I think the unknown is scary. Yeah. So any kind of help with For right sure. or wrong choices and, and think back thousands of years. Mm-hmm. You know, people historically did not have an education. Mm-hmm. And everything was new. Everything was yes, new. They only knew what they saw exactly. or what they were told. Mm-hmm. It seems like a lot of the research that we did on some of the stuff, uh, it centered around astrology. Mm-hmm. which I think is really, really cool. And to think, yeah, people, especially back in olden times, would look up at the sky and be like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah, like, you didn't know what stars were. <laughs> yeah, you didn't know what, what, what was up there. And so when you start having the people that were like mapping out the stars and figuring out like how constellations worked and mm-hmm. how they came around and different stuff like that, that was kind of one of those things like, oh, somebody knows, like they predicted oh, the star is going to be back in this month, you know, within these few days yes. or whatever. And so that immediately was like, oh, man, that's like, that people, dude's told, telling the future. People had to lean heavily on the, uh, their spirituality with their leaders that were usually priests and so- shaman. And anything that they told them that had any ounce of truth to it gave validation to whether it was their religion, their beliefs, mm-hmm. if it was in one god, many gods. And that was kind of, who knows better than the shaman or the priest or the leader of the community who, for the most part throughout history, was the religious leader of the community. Yeah, and pretty much every culture, every walk of life had someone like that, that they kind of relied on to kind of give them some kind of guidance. And so that's my thing with any kind of uh, fortune telling, the reason that people kind of gravitate towards it is they want to know, they want some kind of guidance. I mean, how many times have you been like, man, I wish I had a crystal ball to tell me what I needed mm-hmm. to do, you know, like in the situation or whatever. So Whether I think it's, it's buying a house, been, starting a new business. Yeah. Like uh, you kind of need that little push of 
like I said, validation yeah. to go, okay, well, the stars said that it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, and- at least you've got that backing men- mentally. It's almost like a... Uh, like a safety net for if it didn't go wrong as well. Well, the prophecy was wrong. Yeah. If it, if it kind of went askew. Yeah. So I think uh, maybe, like we said, maybe, you know, back in the olden days, um, it was probably more of a, with a lack of science, technology, understanding of the world, how things work. Um, they might have looked at it a little bit different than what people do today, where I think, like I said, most people nowadays, I think more just look at it just like a type of guidance, but not necessarily something that's going to, like, I'm not going to bet everything I have in my life. I'm not going to, you know, go in full t- boogie yeah, on I'm not going to take this. out my life savings because it's said in my sun sign to do this this week. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Bet it so, all on black. Like I, said, I think it's a lot of the stuff that you look through history, too, and we're going to hit on this one multiple times throughout this. A lot of times when people would say some kind of prediction, fortune, it boils down to interpretation a lot of times. A lot of it is. Most of it is. Is interpretation. Good, bad, indifferent, you know, whatever. And so somebody could give you the same, could give the same thing to one or two different people and they might take it totally different. So well, that's a lot of it, I think, too. Talking about um, interpretation, this is a great example. Uh, well, I'll just jump right into this. One of the oldest, if not the oldest, forms of uh, prophecy givers would be the oracles at Delphi. Mm-hmm. That's my southern accent coming through. I believe it's pronounced Delphi, but I say Delphi. And we'll so we're going to go with Delphi. A few things okay. in this episode. Yeah, yeah. And according to the legend, uh, at the foot of Mount Parnassus in Greece, there's the Temple of Apollo. Apollo defeated a great python. Now, two different stories are that the python was sent by Hera to kill a lover of Zeus she was jealous of. Okay. The other legend goes that Zeus sent two eagles flying around the world in opposite directions, and where they met was at Mount Parnassus in Greece. And so he deemed this to be the center of the earth. Okay. Okay, so Fair anyway, Apollo goes there and slays this python, right? Yeah. And Apollo is the god of... Prophecy. So a temple is established in his name, and people immediately come seeking answers and guidance because who better than to ask than the god of prophecy? Yeah. So this is established in like 1400 (laughs) BCE. Okay. So long, long time ago. Okay. That's why the priestesses were known as the Pythia, Python, Python priests. Okay. And they did have priests. And the oracles could only be female. Okay. But the priests were the ones who actually translated. You see where this is kind of going? Yeah, yeah. So you would go. There was a sacred uh, spring there that you would have to cleanse your body in before you could go before the oracles and ask your question. Now, there's different arguments for this that Mount Parnassus sits on a fault line. Okay. Oh, let's, let's add that in. Okay. Cool. This is important because, <laughs> as thought for a long, long time, and like I said, there's conflicting, we're just kind of going off of a, a generalized story here, right? Yeah. That there was a secret chamber where the oracles were, and there was a chasm. What do you think was coming out of this chasm? Lava? No. Gases. Oh. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. Possibly psychotropic gases. Oh, all right. Yeah. So you would so, go, 
Ask the priest. Priest asks the oracle. Oracle gets high. <laughs> says some kind of generalized thing. And then the priest translates it to you. And if it ended up being wrong for you, well, guess what? You took the translation incorrectly. And that's another one. Let's hit on that one really fast. Uh, in a lot of different uh, cultures, uh, a lot of different forms of fortune telling, sightseeing, yeah, whatever you want to call it. There were a lot of different foods, drinks, different things that were involved in it. And some of it wasn't always the healthiest. And some of it was, like you, like you said a minute ago, it was kind of a drug. Yeah, um, think about peyote with the peyote. spirit walks. And, um, uh, there was one of them, I wish I could remember what it was, that they would use uh, mercury in some ooh, other stuff. So That's not good at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we know how mercury works. Mad as a hatter. Yep, exactly. So... Yeah, they probably had some some great visions. <laughs> they oh, yeah. probably saw some cool shit. <laughs> just inhaling volcano gas. But to think that this was, for so many years, the top-ranking uh, decision-maker in the land. Mm -hmm. Kings and generals and noblemen would not proceed with any decision of war or conquest without what was considered to be the favor of the gods. Yeah, without talking right? to the oracles and seeing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so if oracle said no, I mean, you saw it. 300 please don't write and say that's i know that's not historically accurate i know but the way that it's kind of given in that where she's like no you're not going to take men and so everybody just took it as yeah well oracle said we can't go yeah and lee nice is like yeah bullshit but yeah to think that this went on for a thousand years everybody would come from miles around now the open to interpretation thing is that yes what they would say was always vague and generalized and it was leaning more towards like a, a self-reflection than a black and white instruction Mm -hmm. and, and pretty, I think that's still fairly true today yeah, yeah pretty much what they were doing was just looking for permission to do what they already planned on doing Yeah, a great great example of this was uh, Croesus uh, of Lydia Okay, when he Tell wanted to Croesus. go he wanted to go to war with the Persians and so he goes to the oracle makes a sacrifice cleanses his body and asks his question and what the oracle told him was if you declare war a great empire shall fall yeah. Vague to say the least, right? Yeah. Well, he took that as, boom, that's all I needed to I'm know. Gonna We're Persia, going. Like, cool. yep. He went back to his army, said, got the blessings of the Oracle. Now, that ambiguity led him to believe he would win, and he did not. A great empire did fall, but it was his. Mm. So, mm. prophecy. You chose <laughs> poorly. <laughs> you misunderstood. Okay. See? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Problem with interpretation. Problem with interpretation. There's a lot of that going on. Now, this fell out of favor with rising powers, mm -hmm. as you can imagine. Especially when you get into emperors of Rome who didn't like being told what to do. They yeah. weren't going to ask permission. Nero's evil ass, notorious dick of Roman emperors, mm -hmm. he actually had the temple looted. Ooh. Well, that couldn't have worked out good. Which, it's like, bad form, old man. Yeah, and I mm -hmm. mean, stole priceless treasures. There was like over 500 statues that were bronze and marble. And he took everything from the temples. Hmm. And what really kind of put the nail in the coffin for the oracles of Delphi was Theodosius. Okay. And he was the one that made Christianity the official faith in Rome in 380. Mm-hmm. And so by 385 AD, he permanently closed the oracle of Delphi. And it was more symbolic because it had already fallen into ruin. So it, it was more of a symbolic closing of, hey, Christianity is a new faith. We're not going with any kind of pagan beliefs. Mm -hmm. And that was that. But, I mean, all the way till 385 A.D. Hmm. 
Wow. That's a long time. What did I say earlier? It started in like 1400 BC. Yeah, so you're talking about a long time. That that's yeah. what they, but they that's what they ran with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what they were like. Okay, we're gonna make and, all of our big decisions off of that. At the site, the two inscriptions that were over the entryway, there was two inscriptions. One said "Nothing in excess," and the other said "Know thyself." And if you look at "Know thyself," that is a big part of mysticism in general, mm-hmm. seeking ultimate truth. And so knowing thyself, like there was a big explosion of mysticism during the Renaissance. Yes. Yeah. And you got to think of more books were available. There are more people doing outside the box thinking and travel. And there was just a rebellious nature of trying anything else that was against the norm. So that's when you start getting more metaphysical things in meditation and prayer. People were doing a lot more psychedelics during their ceremonies. Uh, Like I said, peyote. Well, they weren't using peyote over in the Renaissance, but, uh, all of it came out of trying to introspectly find God or enlightenment. Yeah. Uh, during, during the Renaissance, there was actually, you know, you had this time where you had so much art, uh, science was really kind of turning around on, uh, like people wanting to figure out things, but because there was so much with this fortune telling and different things like that, the Renaissance era, they actually had some of their top minds like go, Hey, maybe we should actually really, pay attention to this and maybe perceive it as a real form of science. So there was a lot of them that were like, no, like this, this is legit. Like we need to pay attention to this. For a long time, astrology and astronomy walked hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And you had the scientists Mm -hmm. with the mystics who were trying to figure everything out. Yeah. And so that's kind of crazy to think about like them all going hand in hand. And it's like, this can be, you know, however you interpret it, but this is what is actual science. And yes. So for it to walk hand in hand, Kind of crazy. Well, astrology started what's thought, again, in Mesopotamia, around like 750 BC in the uh, Assyrian nation. Did I say astronomy? No, astrology. Yeah, astrology started. But anyway, like for astronomy speaking, it was Alexander the Great that brought that back to Western culture when he was doing all of his conquests. Mm -hmm. And so when he took over uh, Babylon and the Persian Empire, they had pretty much already established like the 12 zodiac signs so he brings that back to western culture well when he's traveling through egypt on his way back he runs into some of their astronomers and they had what was called decans okay and they were divided up there was 36 decans all right and they were divided up to form their astro astrological signs right yeah well what do you think happened when he brought those 12 and overlaid them with them 36 started there's three for each yeah started so mathematically oh. it added up so they're like mm-hmm. there's something to this this is a science hmm. <laughs> hmm. and think about this their astrological year was broke up into 12s right yeah roman calendar had 10 a 10 month year okay which we know is wrong mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so theirs actually was more accurate hmm. so what happens was they bring it back and so you get these astrologers Working with the, with the, uh, shit, I'm getting really tongue tied here. But so you get the uh, astrology people working with the astronomers. Mm-hmm. Well, mathematically, what they're able to do is predict where the stars and, and planets are going to be. Mm-hmm. This blew everybody's minds. So yeah. they, it was like they had to take it at fact. How can this person tell me that in three months this is going to be here? Yeah, this and they're cons- right. Constellation's they going to be back here. Yeah. To yeah. these backwoods dummies, they knew the stars. They could predict the stars. So they have to be in league with the gods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that gave extreme validation 
to mm-hmm. everything they said as word. And so that's why you had them sitting beside the kings in court and, and having their hand right along there with the religious leaders in everything. Because it was like, you can't prove that they're wrong. Yeah, exactly. Like, we're sitting here uh, at this point now. Here we go again. Well, we're uh, merging different cultures and interacting with each other. And this stuff's, it's it's still coming together. It's still working out. Like, wait a minute. Like, their best minds, our best minds. Shit, it works. It works. <laughs> it must be right. So, like I said, people have their minds blown. Because it's like, they can predict when, pretty much when an eclipse is going to happen. Yeah, I know there was... And you're going to tell me somebody sitting there, you know, what was, in their thatch hut isn't going to have <laughs> complete faith in this person is like... <gasps> wasn't there a... If you anger me, God will blot out the sun. Wasn't there a situation where you told me that there was one that, like, it was supposed to be... Don't go into battle during this because it was supposed to be an eclipse, but then they decided, screw it, we're going to go do it anyway. And then there was an eclipse and, like, everybody on the battlefield freaked out. Because it just went dark all of a sudden, and they're like, oh, no, we've angered the gods now. Um, we shouldn't have done this. And, like, they kind of had, like, a ceasefire for the, the length of the eclipse, or whatever it was. Yeah, I can't remember who it was battling, but it's called the War of the Eclipse. You can look yeah. it up. And, yeah, they got on the battlefield, and as soon as the eclipse happened, after they had been warned, they stopped, and the... Prince married the princess of the other nation, and <laughs> like, nope. everybody's just yeah, nope the hell out of there. And said, uh, 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 "We're not, we're not messing with that." Yeah, they took the sun away. Yeah, yeah, we've we have pissed somebody off. So yeah, we're gonna stop. So now. there again, if stop. you have astrologers tell them, "Hey, this is gonna happen. Don't go into battle. You're you're gonna anger God." Yeah, sure See, enough, the sun going black will do that. That will do yeah. a medieval mind. Mm-hmm. I don't know if or I maybe not even medieval. It could have been before that. I wasn't really sure that an eclipse was going to happen on the same day and I was doing something and it just happened. I'd be like, oh, shit. It was a total eclipse of the sun. (laughs) (laughs) I was walking down the street. Yeah. Ah, yeah. I saw a strange and interesting looking plant. If you don't get that reference, you're too, you're, mm -mm. we're too old for you. (laughs) So what are some of the tools of the trade? So I think probably, uh, when anybody thinks about, you know, fortune telling, the first thing that pops up in their head is the crystal ball. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, crystal ball is a very standard piece of equipment through all psychics. You've seen it on TV. You've seen it online. You've seen it in history books. You know, if you don't know what standard. a crystal ball is, yeah, uh, so get out of here. It actually got started with the Druids in the 3rd century BC. And they were known as storytellers, prophets, healers, advisors. And uh, the Celtic culture of the British Isles, the Druid meant a knower of the oak tree. Uh-huh. Yeah, because they usually would... Druids are a very nature-based... Yes, yes. They, they, would, they would practice their stuff in the forest uh, around oak trees. So it's, <laughs> I mean, yeah, pretty, pretty obvious there. Um, and they believe that looking in... We're prophets of the cedar. <laughs> Yeah. The mesquite says. (laughs) The mesquite told me to do that. And they believed that looking into a reflective surface allowed them to see into the future. And they called it scrying. Okay. And this can be any reflective surface. A water, crystal, a shiny stone, uh, anything like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Which I think we touched on that in our other episode talking about that it was like a portal to the gods, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so uh, a lot of other cultures ended up adapting it. 
or adopting it and, and kind of using it in their own way, shape or form. At first they use pools of water, obviously, because they didn't have a lot of reflective, like that would have been the first reflective surface. Yeah, exactly. pretty much. Um, but then as time progressed, uh, they started being able to use shiny stones. They were later able to create orbs of glass and gemstones and crystals. Now this got really popular because it was portable. It was small. It was something that somebody could keep in a, in a pocket of their, of their jacket or carry around with them, it was portable. And a sphere is pretty durable. Yeah. And so the whole soothsaying with crystal balls uh, was condemned later on because once the whole Christian belief came along, they saw it as, oh, you're you're speaking to devils or, or demons posing as angels or divine spirits. And so the Christianity movement... It would have been pagan. It would yeah, have been they, a pagan they, practice. And they're like, you don't get to commune with... Yeah, they, they, Anyone they unless you're a priest. It. And it wasn't until the Renaissance again, like we were talking about hey. a minute ago, that it started kind of coming back in, you know, back around. And everyone's like, man, you know what? Maybe we should really, like, like there, maybe there's something to this whole thing. The Renaissance. We're going painting. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, between the 9th and 14th century, uh, groups of the Roma people migrated from India to Europe, uh, bringing with them... They're like the nomadic lifestyle, mm-hmm. which in the reliefs, uh, which kind of came about the whole gypsy idea. Yes. And of course, like I said, they brought in all these same beliefs, same culture, cultural, uh, cultural practices, I guess is the proper term. Yes. Which again, like I said, uh, put them at odds with the Christians, but it's still has been able to hang around in its own right. And, you know, people that uh, do their own thing and big, Hey, we're not saying anything negative about Christianity, by any means we're just saying like, this was a conflict between beliefs. Yes. Which in the past um, has always been a, well, let's see, that's kind of been held in a favorable light. Yeah. It's, it's always been a thing. Uh, you don't believe like I do. So you're wrong. You got to get know? out of here. Yeah, exactly. Um, Europeans were aware of the awe of the crystal ball. Okay, they they had already heard the stories and about the mystics and the prophets and you know all this stuff uh, doing everything. So it became a thing to where like the wealthy would have parties and there would be a fortune teller at this party and it'd be you know all royalty and nobility and stuff like that. And part of the party experience was you would go sit down and get your fortune read. It was like a status symbol exactly. for yeah, these it parties. Was, it was, we yes. have a fortune teller mm-hmm. here come, with one of those. Come dine. Mystical drink, crystal balls. Do whatever and see. From the, a faraway yeah, land. And see the future. You know, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, Queen Elizabeth I relied on a prophet named uh, John D. And Gene Dixon actually worked with Roosevelt during the war. Uh, and Nixon Whoa. to help them advise them on different things. I did not know that. And actually, supposedly, story goes that at some point before her death, she met with Oprah at a very young age and told Oprah that she would one day be very wealthy and very successful. (laughs) So if nothing else, that prophecy came true. Yeah. (laughs) 100%. And all these, that was their thing, is is looking at the crystal ball and, and seeing things through the reflective surface. Neat. There is a, this is a legend, okay? So you yep. got to take it with a grain of salt. It's a legend of the Roma that, um, according to the legend of 400 AD, there was a Sasanian king that would have been modern day Iraq and Iran. 
Okay. And he was told that the poor in his kingdom could not afford to enjoy music. So he asked the king of India to send Boo. him 10,000 musicians to entertain his people. And he gave them payment in like wheat and livestock and stuff so they could live on... Weed or wheat? <laughs> Probably weed too. I mean, shit, we're talking about a king here. <laughs> shit, man, he's a king. <laughs> and so, he likes to party. Yeah, he likes to party. <laughs> oh, good. And so he gave them this to live on so they could just focus on playing for the people, right? Mm-hmm. And that was all cool until it ran out because they weren't able to farm or cultivate any of it. So when they returned a year later, they were starving. And he was infuriated because he's a king. He didn't think of that. Mm-hmm. He was just kind of embarrassed. So what does a king do? He exiles them to wander on the only things they had left, which would have been their burrows. The donkeys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they spread across Europe, traveling and integrating into different societies and religions. But like you said, held on to those traditions. Mm-hmm. Very deeply rooted traditions. That they, yeah. Still to this day, yep. they yep. hold yep. on to those traditions. Mm-hmm. And then the countries like Russia and Spain, and then especially Romania and Hungary and the Ottoman Empire really became the hub for the Roma people. Um, even though they were enslaved initially in most of these countries, and that lasted until... Some of them up until the 1800s. Ooh. But they persevered. And one of the things that they brought along with them in their religion was a Shaktism or Shaktivism, which is a form of Hinduism that's a goddess-focused tradition, right? Okay. And emphasizes more on the love of a deity than simple obedience. And one of the main aspects being divination. Mm-hmm. As we're talking, right? Mm-hmm. So knowledge of the unknown by supernatural means. Uh, so crystal balls, tarot palm, cup readings. All that. And because they had held so steadfast to those religious practices is why you get modern day fortune tellers that are associated with what we associate with the, the, the gypsy, the gypsy woman, mm-hmm. that look, you know, the, the, like you see in the Wolfman. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. seen that image of, of the, the gypsy woman with a crystal ball in front of her and she's, you know. Yeah. The beautifully adorned yep, yep. dress mm-hmm. and, and everything. Yeah. And it's because they would not allow that practice to be driven out of them culturally. And so that's really neat that they was able to survive so many years of going yeah. through hardships in different mm-hmm. cultures mm-hmm. that they were still mm-hmm. able to hold on to their traditions and so tightly. And like I said, still to this day, it's still prominent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's another one? Um, so you said it earlier in that one, uh, tarot cards. So I dig tarot cards. <laughs> you know, I've always thought they're really cool. Um, but before I have to say this, I'm going to tell myself, uh, before we got into this, I'd always kind of like thought, I was like, you know, did the tarot card like kind of come from the playing card? Like, cause a lot of the same stuff kind of is there. I was like, man, I don't know. Like, man, that's probably stupid. Guess what? Other way around? <laughs> no, it actually did have a basis in it. But think of, when you think about the, the current deck that we have of a classic Mm-hmm. Deck Classic of playing, playing cards. cards. Okay. So most to be familiar with that. It originated in late 14th century Europe. Um, they were called, and I hope I don't butcher this too bad, but Triumphi. Okay. And it was just a game. Uh, it was you could use these deck of cards to play actually a couple of different kinds of games, and it just kind of became you know a fun thing for people to do. Right. Most people probably had them on them that were traveling around. Mm-hmm. And. Okay, uh, some real quick ones just to kind of give you an idea of how this kind of uh, rolls into it. There were four suits, like how we have the the two through ten. 
you know, there are just the, the minor cards, mm-hmm. which is a big thing. They have minor cards, and they have their major cards, which, you know, we have now, we think of the royalty in a, a deck of cards. Okay. I'm and so following. they kind of broke it down between all this stuff, um, and each suit had its own meaning. Each card of the majors had their own kind of meaning, but I'm going to say this real quick because so many people get it, get screwed up. They think that whenever like someone's playing, uh, doing the cards and doing the thing, they see the death card and they're like, oh, that's, that's got to be negative. No, really it's not. The death card really just means like the end of something. Because death is a part of life. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. Yeah, this could be negative. the death of an addiction, I guess. Or it could be the, the end of oh, it's time for you know you to stop doing this, this career habit. or habit or whatever. So like everybody always thinks, oh, the death card—that's terrible. No, really, it's not. Like it's not. It's just another one that flows into with everything else. Is it fair to say it can be interpreted in different ways? Yeah, and I'm not going to go through all all the stuff because there's I mean there's so much. Oh, there's probably a, a hundred thousand different ways to interpret. Well, and there's kind of depending on who you would learn from at this the point art now, form, right? Um, John Baptiste Alliet in 1791 um, is who people think really created the most standard tarot card deck. He's the one that actually came up because there were so many different times that once it started becoming popular, nobility would have somebody like draw up and actually create their a own custom set of their cards. custom set for their house. That makes sense. Um but this guy, John, um, is kinda considered the one that really started using it for divination and stuff and kinda came up with what we know of now as like the true like the kind of the starting formula for yeah, it. And... Yeah. Yeah. And I mean there's okay. uh, today and what year was there that was in uh, 1791. 1791. Yeah. Good run. Um and there is to this day, there are so many, so many different kinds of variations of decks. What about every different way you can think of printing them? Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, this, you might get a deck that this is really more about love and relationships and stuff like that, where this could be more about careers, where this could be more about, you know, just life in general. I mean, there's so many different variations of different kinds of things from what I've understood, because I've, I've never done it. I've never actually had my cards read. I've never watched anybody do it. But from what I understand, they tell people that are new to it to go in, look, and find that deck that speaks to them. Okay? If that makes I think, sense. I think that's how they do it with crystals and stuff, too, right? You're supposed to pick out crystals. Yeah, you supposed wave to be your hand you, over them and feel one that connects with you. You feel like this, for whatever reason, jumps out to you. Yeah, you build your own lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> I was going to say a little more like uh, building a deck of Pokemon cards or, or magic. But I hope that's not offensive to anybody that, that really isn't. Because it's really, I mean, it is so in-depth with some of the stuff. There's so many different ways of dealing the cards. Um, the way the cards come out. Like, if you pull a card and it's upside down, then that typically means, like, the opposite of whatever the card's meaning is. And so many different setups. So many different ways of of just dealing. And I, I hope dealing isn't the wrong word. I, I hope I don't I get I think it'd skewed. be dealing. Um, but, uh, like typically it's a three card, like kind of the more simple base is a three card where they lay down three cards and you have your past, present and future. And those are your, your cards. Those are kind of like of a basic overview, I guess. Makes sense. Rule of yeah. three. Yeah. Um, but again, the tarot card thing is really cool. The more I've delved into it, the more I'm like, man, this is, this is super, super interesting. 
And again, it's all about interpretation. So you can sit there and have the cards come out and it's all about really how you interpret it, how you read it. And there's a lot of, a lot of ones from what I understand nowadays, uh, people that do it, they don't do it as much as, as for like reading for other people. Um, they mostly do it for themselves. Kind of like, Hey, I'm not really sure about this. Maybe like we said earlier, kind of get a little direction, maybe get a little comfort in knowing that, Hey, if I make this decision, it might, might be the right one. Let's see where the cards lay. Let's, yeah. let's roll the dice. Exactly. So the tarot card thing has been really cool. That was been a fun one to, to look into, but yes, uh, it's to me, the biggest one as far as the difference in interpretation and just getting, like I said, a, a good feel for, hey, I'm not sure about this. Let's see what it says. So I really, like I said, I really like looking into that. I've always dug tarot cards, man. Yeah. I think they're pretty neat. Yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. So is there any other ones that you had looked into? Um, So another one that I always thought was kind of cool was the whole bone casting. Or oh. some people say rolling the bones, um, which, you know, a lot of people... Dice. Nowadays, think think dice, or even some people, even, you know, dominoes. But oh yeah, bone casting. Bone casting has been around one. for a long time. That's probably the oldest time. one. A <laughs> long time. Best I could find was it was a African thing uh, in origin, but uh, kind of also where the shaman kind of came from. Mm-hmm. And the technical term for it is osteomancy. Osteomancy. That sounds cool. That's a cool title for anything. I'm a practitioner of osteomancy. And been practiced by many cultures for many years. But it typically used animal bones, teeth, claws, horns, um, sometimes human bones. And there was another belief in animism. That animism with animal beliefs? Well, animism is more of the belief that all things have a spirit. And that spirit can be communed with. Somehow. Uh, the Jaguar. <laughs> yeah, so this is kind of one of those ones where they believed in... It wasn't so much like, oh, we're just taking the bones or the leftovers of something and, and making it like people think of it in a negative light. But it really wasn't. It was supposed to be connecting back to Mother Nature and different stuff like that. Um, later on, it got mixed in where you could use different stuff. Stones and shells and coins, feathers, you know, different stuff like that. Anything you could toss out on a table. But uh, another thing, it was common in hoodoo. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, a lot of people think about hoodoo. They also think about voodoo, different stuff like that, different practices in that same light where, like I said, again, it kind of gets a negative rap when you think about it nowadays, but it really wasn't. It was actually a, it's, it is a very nature-oriented belief. As most were. Yeah, so a, a really cool one. Like I would think that uh, that bone casting would be one of the oldest forms of the divination. I mean, it and has reading. to be, right? It has to be. You didn't have uh, other things, but you could get bones. Yeah, or Toss a couple other, teeth out there. You know, other uh, items from. Yeah, a lot of it was from deceased animals, but you're still like I said, it's connection to Mother Nature, the yeah. Earth, the whole nine yards. So. You were tethering to the spirit of the animal to lead you down a certain path. Yeah. And I didn't even yeah. get into trying to understand it because that that was just beyond me. And uh, <laughs> Well, you're not a shaman last nope, time I checked. No, nope, nope, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure I'm not. So, <laughs> I don't think I can make any uh, real uh, predictions based off that. 
Well, I think I'm going to make a prediction right now, and I'm going to say that you're going to get the next thing right. Okay. Because I think it's time to do the thing. Oh, let's do it. All right, it's time for... Search Engine Results. As our listeners know, every week we like to play a little game where I ask the all-powerful internet a question, and I then give Keith three answers, and he has to choose from them to see which one is the correct that I was given by the internet that's never, ever, ever incorrect. Never. So, Keith, how, how are you feeling uh, spiritually? Do you feel tethered to the earth right now? Do you feel like well, maybe you're going to get some help from an ostrich spirit or I don't know. a porcupine? I always like to believe that my spirit animal was probably a wolf, but knowing me, it was probably a platypus. <laughs> okay, well, are you tethered to it right now? <clears throat> All right, man. Here's the question. How much money in the U.S. is spent each year on the psychic industry. Hmm. Nowadays? Yes. Hmm. Okay. How much money is spent in the U.S.? Not worldwide, but just in the U.S. Okay. On the psychic industry each year. A, 70 million. God dang. B, 2 billion. Or C, 800 million. Okay. <laughs> Any one of my choices are way higher than what I thought it would have been. But This is on ow. advice. Remember. <laughs> well, this is for advice. I mean, you think about it. Somebody took the right advice. They could easily make that kind of money. Yeah. This is this is all in faith, man. Okay. Tell, tell me again. Okay. 70 million, 2 billion, or 800 million. And these are approximate numbers because... You got to give a little in both directions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're far enough apart that it's it's not going to matter either way very much. So, hmm. 70 mil to bill or $800 million each year in the United States alone. Wow. Uh, I think I'll go middle of the road and go see $800 million. You sure? I don't know, am I? Meditate on your platypus. (laughs) Platypus, help me. (laughs) (laughs) Platypus, brother. Yeah. Which direction of the stream? Final answer. Man, it's two billion. Jeez. Two billion dollars, yeah. platypus failed me. Off of what I was searching, uh, this comes from Daily Mail, uh, that says, uh, the U.S. psychic industry has grown 52%, 52% since 2005. You know, it makes sense, though, because... I remember whenever I was younger, and um, what was the psychic that was all over TV? Um, Miss Cleo. Miss Cleo, was yeah. Miss Cleo. And, like, you always saw the commercials and everything. Miss Cleo's psychic hotline. Back when we still had just, like, regular cable TV and stuff like that. And so... The infomercials nowadays, at Nowadays, you know, with, with the internet and everything, uh, you know, I, yeah, I, I can believe it. I can. Well, you could do... Well, there's so many of them that have, like I said, websites. People didn't really stuff. like to run around in the 90s and early 2000s, talk, you know, talking about, oh, I, I call psychic hotlines to get my advice. Yeah. Now you can do that and you can do it from your phone and nobody knows. You could be doing mm-hmm. it at the mm-hmm. dentist's office. Oh, yeah. I, I know that there's, coin. you know, plenty of websites out there, uh, but also what a was lot hers of them. too? It was like four ninety nine a minute or something? <sighs> I read a thing that said the average Maybe. was uh, $60. The phone calls lasted up to $60 was the average for Miss Cleo's hotline. And you know, she wasn't Caribbean. When? Oh, she wasn't? Nope. She was born in L.A. She was an actress. Oh, well. And kind of a sad story because she was more of the mouthpiece for a uh, corporation. 
and she ended up really? taking the brunt for all of it when all the lawsuits started rolling oh, in. And see, that's a shame to think that, you know, with something that's been been around for so long, it's like, okay, am I surprised that there was at least one hoax going around? Like, no, like, like <laughs> you know, but yeah. It was just way, a hoax with an infomercial. Yeah, the way it all ended, like, and it, what a real bad rap that that probably put on everybody else that really does practice it and really does believe and, and you know, probably more accurate. Do you think it pissed off legit mm-hmm. psychics? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there are so many of them out there that, like, man, I've been fighting tooth and nail since I started doing this to show that, like, hey, this is, there is some legitimacy to this. There is some actual uh, proof, I, I guess, uh, to it, but uh, to then have, like, Something like that. It's like, oh man, like I think if you're how far back are you going to put me back? Now psychic, for, you're probably uh, comfortable enough to know that like there's a, a amount of skepticism that's going to mm-hmm. be skepticism. Sorry, that's going to be thrown out anytime your practice is brought up. And it's it, you know most of the time now, if you go to people, it's someone that practices in their home. True. You know. Oh, so I didn't tell you my story about me going. Oh in. yeah, I told mine at the top of the show. What uh, was your story? So I went uh, to a palm reader and. We were at her house, and we sat down, and we had a, a a conversation. It was funny because her going rate was $60. For a session? For a session, and I only had like 50 on me. And I was like, oh, they're like, oh I'm sorry, I've only got like 50. I, I guess I'll see you later. She was like, it's okay, honey. Like, it's fine. I'll I'll we'll do it. There's it's that cool. episode of Seinfeld where he's like about to get, she tells George not to fly on the plane or whatever. And he's like, why not? Why not? She's like, this next part's very important, George. And time's up. Yeah. <laughs> or no, Elaine pisses her off and she kicks him out and George doesn't. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm interrupted your story, but I just saw that episode the other day. Well, so she we went in there and uh, we went through some stuff and yeah, there was a lot of things that she was telling me that I'm like, there's, there's no way you would know that. Like there's no way. And I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty open-minded person, but I'm also, I like to believe not I'm, not, a gullible I'm Gary. not too naive and gullible. And still, like, yeah, she told me some stuff that I was I was very impressed with. Like, going, oh, man, okay. I, I have known many, many people okay. that have got a reading and got very freaked out by yeah. it. Um, so, would I do it again? Yeah, I would. I would definitely do it again. Before we finish this off, I do think we need to hit on some of the more historical, bigger name. Absolutely. Ones that uh, everybody knows Nostradamus. Mm-hmm. Everybody's heard it. You've heard the name, mm-hmm. even if you don't mm-hmm. know anything about Nostradamus. So, 1500s. This guy's out here, and he's just throwing out prediction after prediction. Like, boom, 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 boom. A lot of them hit. A lot of them didn't. And a lot of them are really up for interpretation. You know, uh, whether, because, uh, okay. We have a term in the South that's called throwing shit at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it seems like a lot of. What's Nostradamus going to do to me? A lot of the, a lot of the psychics. Mm-hmm. It's said that they predicted the JFK assassination. Okay. And it's not making light of the situation by any means, but at the same time, the, some of the predictions were so vague I'm about to say, I can sit here right now and make a prediction. I'm going to make one. Um, a great leader will be assassinated in the future. Uh, and I'll leave that open-ended. Yeah, that's that's, that's eventually going to happen. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. He said this. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know the details of what his exact prophecy was, or even some of the other ones I'm going to say here in a minute. Um, but 
still it's like, yeah, that seems eh, kind of vague. I mean, I guess if they were like, oh, you know, if they called the the year or anything like that, then okay, yeah, that's a totally different story. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, he was one of those. But he he did uh, supposedly predict the Great Fire in London, uh, the French Revolution, uh, the rise of Hitler, which I think was another <laughs> one that was kind of a little vague in the prediction, but still, like you know, hey, there were, and then apparently the bombing. Of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, really? So, and another one that a, a lot of them supposedly have predicted was nine eleven. Yeah, but wasn't it something? I think I read things on that too, where it was like my, a mighty mighty tower shall fall, kind of that same yeah, vague. Like, yeah, that's could be interpreted mm, in a yeah, thousand yeah. different ways. Not going to say he was wrong, but I'm yeah. not saying that necessarily he totally. Called it. Um, another one, uh, uh, Daniel Holm, in the 1800s, known for talking to the dead. His nickname was Sherlock. He was uh, self-proclaimed uh, clairvoyant, and he was one of those Self-proclaimed. Ones... <laughs> well, I mean, is there a... Is, is there a leading... Authority that says Did someone yes, else you deem are? a child like that. Yeah, kids a seasayer. Yeah, I mean, how does that work exactly? I, I just I, I thought that was funny. Self proclaimed, but uh, he was known I'm a for proclaimed millionaire. Ain't fucking true. Yeah, <laughs> he was known for letting the spirits talk to him. Mm. Okay, so and, he did and, the voices at the table and the and levitation. Ooh, that was one of his big things. Is you would come and have a reading with him, and he would. Have sometimes it'd be you know just you and him, but sometimes it'd be like a whole group of people and stuff in the room would shake and raise in the air and stuff like that. Then he would levitate and all kinds I of craziness. If he's the one. There's a story about Houdini that he would love to go around and disprove psychics and mediums. Okay. Did you ever read any of that stuff? No, I don't. Yeah, that was one of his favorite pastimes was going around and figuring out how they were doing it in the middle of a session and discrediting them. Hmm. Kind of a dick move if that was how they were earning their living. But especially since like I said, if major... nobody was getting hurt, but yeah, that was that was one of Houdini's. Well, especially since you were making your living doing kind of trickery, s- yeah, kind of the same thing yeah. if you really think about it. Yeah, look that up because it's it's hmm. it's pretty funny, huh? Okay, well, um, I wonder if that was one of them. Oh, and I that uh, I got most of this through uh, WorldAtlas.com, by the way. Better uh, throw my source before I shout out get in get in trouble. Thanks for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Plagiarism, bitch. Edgar Casey, and I think it's pronounced Casey. He would go into a sleep-like trance, and his spirit would travel into the spirit spirit realm. Okay, and as he's traveling through the spirit realm, he would collect information throughout this, and then he would come back and he would uh, make his predictions off of the information that he found through the spirit realm. So you'd go to see him. This dude would take a thirty-minute nap while everybody just sat there. <laughs> and well, then he came out of it talking gibberish. Apparently, he predicted the stock market crash of '29, the class of the Soviet Union, and World War II. Mm, again, <laughs> could be vague predictions. Mm. There will be a great war. Uh, an empire will lose all of their riches. Uh, you know, 
Again, but, so, but what you're going hey, through you is the most famous predictions yeah. by well, and then again, mediums. We don't have the actual verbatim predictions in front of us, so we can't really knock it too much. I'm just giving you know, a little tickle just, to yeah, your stories, man. Yeah, we're just we're just kind of playing around with the whole idea. Again, <laughs> we are not professionals. We yeah, we're just telling we're just we're talking to tell the stories and we're talking. Was there anybody else? Um, sorry, talking about uh, Gene Dixon. That was. Uh, an advisor to Roosevelt and yep. Nixon. Yep. And the whole Oprah thing. But uh, apparently she was another one that predicted the JFK assassination. The fact that a president was being advised by a psychic. Psychic medium. As close yeah. to us as the Nixon administration is. I don't know if that's off-putting. Guess that or... didn't work out too well in the Nixon. <laughs> she didn't thing. tell him one thing. <laughs> well... But she was a huge astrologist and a best-selling author. I mean, she wrote, like, I think it was like nine or ten different best-selling books. Go for it, girl. Get your so, money. Um, and then, forgive me again, Baba Vanga is, I believe, how it's pronounced. We don't talk about I Baba Yaga. Right. Not Baba Vanga. Baba, Baba, Baba Vanga. Baba Bui. Baba Vanga was Bulgarian. <laughs> Bulgarian. I keep trying to trip you up. I'm sorry. It's one of my, the funnest <laughs> things I do while we do this podcast is try to just trip you up. And she lost her sight during a catastrophic event. Um, nobody really knows exactly. There's lots of rumors around what exactly happened. If it was an earthquake or whatever. The most common idea is it was a tornado. And she was flung. like She was caught up in the tornado and flung. Hit her head. Obviously, because she was no telling how far she was thrown. And... Then you're losing her sight. I am almost 40 years old, not a psychic, and have been able to dodge every fucking tornado that's come my way. <laughs> well, she wasn't a psychic then. It wasn't until after she oh. lost her sight that then she was <laughs> given the sight. Did you see the look I was giving you while you were telling the story, though? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just no, going, no. Like, you didn't see it coming? It, 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 <laughs> like, it, yeah, it might have been better if you might have got it a little sooner. Okay, but, that makes you know, more anyway. sense that it happened after she whacked her noggin. Uh, I'm like... Oh, don't be a dick. <laughs> I, I just have trouble believing... Anyway, so after she lost legit. her sight, apparently she gained a new form of sense. Sixth sense. And supposedly with her, it was, she predicted 9-11, uh, Brexit... That there's going to be future travel, like actual time traveling, by the year 2034. Oh, jeez, I hope not. And the uh, 2004 Thailand tsunami. So, so far, three of those have happened. So, let's she see. She predicted a Pacific tsunami? Yeah. Well, yeah, I see where you're coming from. <laughs> I see, I see what you're saying. You're just laying them up and I'm smacking them down. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, you can't say they were wrong. No. Yeah, that's, again, that's the vague, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the Barnum effect? Mm-mm. Okay, the Barnum effect, which is credited to P.T. Barnum, uh, you know, his famous catchphrase was, there's a sucker born every minute. True. Okay, um, in it was 1948, I believe, there was a psychologist named Bertram Foyer who conducted an experiment uh, called the Fallacy of Personal Validation. And he took uh, subjects, and each subject was given a personality test and told that it would be assessed separate from the rest of the uh, the control group. But it wasn't. He gave the same generalized feedback to everyone that was involved. Things like, uh, 
For example, uh, you tend to be critical of yourself. You okay. have you have doubts uh, in, that you've made the right or wrong decisions. Uh, security is a major goal for you. Well, no shit. Things like that, right? <laughs> yeah, like well, yeah. But they believed they were being given a test that was specifically for them. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, one a one through five rating would be given to it, and almost all the students gave it a four to five rating as accurate. So mm-hmm. that speaks to the psychology of human beings, right? Mm. But that could also kind of help us to understand why, like a large portion of people would lean into things of this nature, and they can be swayed. Like, um, why people have never lost interest in gaining an edge over the future. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, look at gamblers, for example. Like, know when the odds are on the house, but still employing, like, superstition to believe that they give them the oh, edge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Knowing. But I wore my lucky socks. Or, you know, you never say seven at the table. Things yeah. like that. And that's not just gambling. Uh, I mean, that's anything. Uh, so that's a sports fan. That's a... a I mean, so many different things that you think of. I think it's a way of not tricking, but giving your brain that little push over the edge to make a decision that you normally wouldn't make with rational thought. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, which sometimes, I mean, law of averages, like you're going to hit sometimes, whether it's like uh, I quit my job and started a business. Mm -hmm. Chances are you might fail. But when you do hit, you'll, you know, that's when you see actors and uh entrepreneurs and stuff that are on tv and they're talking about you know you just can't be afraid to take that step it's like yeah because you made it you're yeah, the one worked for you let's hear from the hundred thousand that failed and i hate to be mm-hmm. like a negative nancy here but the advice of someone who succeeded in a game that's almost chance yeah you know mm-hmm. like yeah mm-hmm. you can be talented at something but there's going to be a hundred thousand people in your immediate area that are just as talented as you yeah trying to do the same thing so yep, yep, yep. And that's probably always been the story. So, uh, you know, in humanity. So I think things like superstitions and just having someone tell you it's going to be okay. Yeah. Just having that. Yeah. Like I said, that, that mental push to, to get you to jump out of the plane. Mental. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Mental safety blanket? Sometimes ain't fine. How about that? Mental security blanket. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I really like that. I think we should probably end on that. All right. Yeah. I think so. Um, Mental yeah. security blanket. Good episode. And let's not forget Latoya Jackson's had a psychic network too. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> I think I said that. <laughs> but yes, I just had to bring it up because it was written down. Latoya Jackson. Yeah, yeah. But yes, uh, mental security blanket. Man, you're my mental security blanket, buddy. Oh, you're not mine. Sorry. <laughs> Love you. Love you. But you you got too much ADD. <laughs> you make me feel gooder about things. I have to remind you about everything all the time. Well, that's absolutely <laughs> true. So anyway, we want to thank all of y'all for listening to The Random Men. And if you've enjoyed today's conversation, y'all be sure and subscribe to the podcast so you can be notified whenever we drop those new episodes. And be sure and leave us a rating and review because we really look forward to hearing your feedback and the ideas for future episodes. And until next time, I'm Kenny. I'm Keith. And the cards don't lie. <laughs>